Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 42 of the Daily Run-Through of the Book of Galatians. My name's Mike Mills. Welcome to the Run of the Mills podcast, and we are making our way through the Book of Galatians. We're in chapter 5, and we have been reading this portion as he talks about the works of the flesh. And it starts off the list, actually, down at verse 19, and he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So he says here, drunkenness and revelries. So if you look at uh, like the New Living Translation, they, they try to translate some of these words into um, more easily understood uh alternatives and so it doesn't say revelries it says wild parties and so he says one of the works of the flesh is is drunkenness and this is something we see throughout the the new testament that drunkenness is is forbidden it's a forbidden thing now does it happen to people absolutely it happens is wine forbidden for christians well i think if you're reading about those in leadership um then there's uh, there's definitely um, talking about not being given to wine or not being given to much wine uh, in the list of qualifications for um, for elders and uh, for deacons. Uh, but I think you'd have a very difficult time, at least in my understanding of Scripture. I think you have a very difficult time saying that that God bans alcohol, um, that that the out the Bible uh, forbids alcohol. What the Bible does uh, clearly forbid here is is drunkenness. That's uh, something that in the Old Testament times, um, kings and priests were not to be um, were not to be drinkers, right? Because they um, they were in a position of leadership, and they they had to have their uh, their faculties about them. Is that is that how you say it? Their faculties about them. They had to um, they they couldn't be under the influence, so to speak, of of a chemical. Uh, and so they needed to be able to make decisions and they needed to make sure that they um, that they did not uh, participate in something that would that would lower inhibitions um, or or uh, cause them to make questionable judgment, I think. And so uh, how is that any different for us? You know, why, why should I be should I be drunk? Well, of course not. The Bible forbids it. So the question, of course, is then the next step, which is. Well, how much is too much? How much is too much? And it's like when I was a youth pastor, and sometimes kids would ask the question, you know, hey, how how far can you go with a girl and be okay? You know, how far can you go? You know, and and I always always tell them like you're asking the wrong questions. You're asking the wrong questions. The question isn't how 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 close to sin can I get and be okay. The question is how far can I get from sin? <laughs> you know, it's the, it's like the old debate about, you know, riding in the back of a truck. Like some people say, oh, if you're going to ride in the back of the truck, you should ride right up against the cab. Other people say, well, it doesn't really matter as long as you're sitting down. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to be safe, ride in the cab. So when it comes to to alcohol, um, you know, for to me, it's one of those things that I think as Christians we need to be careful about. Um, statistically speaking, one in eight people that try alcohol become 
um, an alcoholic. That's that's statistics. Um, and to me, that's one of those things where, like when I was a pastor, um, I remember going and visiting a church and they were talking about how their women's ministry was going to a wine tasting. And I thought, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with wine tasting, but I think that's a problem when it's the church is now going to have a women's event where we're going to bring women to this thing. Some of whom maybe have not drank before. Some of them maybe who struggle with it and we're bringing them to this place. And so, you know, it's one of those things again, where we have to use our, our wisdom. We need to use wisdom in regards to this. And the question of, you know, how much is too much or how little is, how little is okay. Uh, and so what do you do when you're in those situations, right? What, what do you do? How do you make that choice? And like I said, the question is not, is it safe to ride in the back of the truck? You know, or where's the, where's the safest place to ride in the back of the truck? The, the answer is put a seatbelt on and ride in front. And the, the basically, there's a little phrase I always like to use, and, and, and that is this, error on the side of righteousness. You know, just put that in your decision-making matrix. You know, when it comes down to, to, okay, what do I do in this situation? What do I do? Make that one of your things, just error on the side of righteousness. Okay, I'm not sure. What should I do? Okay, what's the mo- what, what would be the holiest thing to do? What would be the safest bet as far as my, my witness, you know, my testimony to others? Um, which one is, what's the safest bet, you know, as far as my walk with the Lord, my... Uh, my, my, you know, my, my personal holiness, what's, what's the safest bet. So I'm not saying that you do everything and play everything safe. Uh, um, as far as safe versus danger, I'm talking about safe as far as right and wrong, right? If you're not sure, then you say, well, okay, which one of these is the, which one's going to be more pleasing to the Lord? Is it going to be more pleasing to him for me to abstain from this or partake in it with the possibility of it causing problems, you know? So it's one of those, that's just part of my personal decision-making matrix. And I think it's helpful. So I thought I would share it with you today. So he says, these are two more of the works of the flesh. One of them is drunkenness, you know, and this is, I don't, I don't think I have to go into a whole bunch of about this, how this is a work of the flesh. It's desire to, um, to please yourself. You know, and to uh, sometimes it's uh, to drown sorrows. Um, sometimes it is to uh, deal with stress, whatever it is. But it's not it's not God's answer for dealing with those things. Now, does God does God in the Bible does it talk about enjoying alcoholic drinks, enjoying wine? Yeah, it does. It talks about that. And so I'm, I'm never one to say like this is sin for Christians. But I would say this: it is for me. It is for me. Um, that's my own personal conviction that the, the Lord has laid upon my heart, and he did early in my life. I was working with young people, and I recognized uh, what I like to call the monkey see, monkey do. Um, uh, it's just a reality of working with kids. When they see you do it, they'll do it too. You put your stamp of approval on the behaviors that you uh, the things that you do. And I realized like, yeah, I could drink a beer. I could drink three beers and there was no danger of me being an alcoholic, partially because I hate the taste. Um, but do they know that? Do the kids watching me know what I know? Do they say, oh yeah, Mike, he's, he can handle it. I can handle it too. That's the problem. You know, no, I, I just, 
I just decided, you know, and I, and it was really, I feel the conviction of the conviction of the Holy spirit on my life that no, Mike, this isn't for you. This isn't something that you need to participate in. Um, and I don't feel like I've missed out on anything and I probably saved a lot of money. So the next one after drunkenness is revelries. And like I read before from the new living translation, um, wild parties. And the idea here is like unrestrained, unrestrained, um, revelries, you know, that or unrestrained partying that, um, you know, in, in the, uh, in the ESV, it takes it a step further and it says orgies. You know, the idea is just this wild, um, fleshly enjoyment of everything. And so he's saying, look, that's, that's no place for you. This is not, this is, this is a work of the flesh. It's just pleasing yourself, pleasing yourself physically, um, pleasing your yourself, the things you desire, whatever. And he goes on and with the, the final thing on the list. And the final thing on the list, I think, is uh, is telling. He says this, right? Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's saying this isn't everything on the list. It's these things that I've listed and the like and similar things because Paul knew new things would come up. There are new things coming up all the time. People are finding new ways to sin all the time, new ways to, uh, to stretch the boundaries of what's acceptable all the time. And so he says, you know, and the like, but he says, you know, this, he said, which, you know, he said, I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, he's like, this isn't new. I'm not telling you any, I've told you this before. I'm telling you again, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, does this mean we're saved by our works? Right? If you do these things and you're not saved, is that what he's saying? I think what he's saying is simply this, that if you are saved, if you receive Jesus as your savior and you recognize that he died on the cross for your sins, he paid the price for your sin, and you just continue to practice those things that you practiced before, you're making a practice of it, right? It's not, oh, I stumbled into this. I've been drawn away back into that old junk. It's no, I'm, I'm practicing it. It is what I, I just, I just indulge in these things, even though I know full well that Jesus suffered on the cross. The wrath of God for that sin was poured out upon him. And yet I'll continue to do it. Does that mean I lost my salvation? No, I submit to you that perhaps it means that you didn't really understand salvation to begin with. You didn't understand what sin is. And you didn't understand what repentance meant. And maybe you said a prayer because you were told something along the lines of, if you just raise your hand and say this prayer, you'll go to heaven. And whoever told you left out a very important aspect of the salvation message, which is repent, right? Turn from your ways and turn to the Lord. It's receiving Jesus as your savior, saving you from what? Saving you from the penalty, the due penalty of your sin, not saving you so that you can do whatever you want. See, it's a misunderstanding of the gospel. And you say, I, I received the gospel, but you, but you, didn't understand it. You didn't, you were receiving salvation, not from your sins, but you were receiving salvation so that you weren't punished for your stuff. Right? So think about it like a child, right? If you tell a child, I'm not going to spank you. 
you know, you did this thing, you did it wrong and you came and you apologize. So I'm not going to spank you versus just going into a kid that's doing things wrong and saying, Hey, I'm not going to spank you. Okay. One understands that he's done something wrong and that there's consequences. And yet you're withholding those consequences be because he understands there's repentance. He turned from him, said, I'm sorry. The other one, there was no turning. There was no repentance. It was just coming in and saying, Hey, I'm not going to spank you for this. You know, I'm not, you're not going to receive punishment for what you're doing. So they can just go yeehaw and keep doing it. And I think that's kind of Paul's point is like, if you, if you can continue to practice these things with no conviction, with, with you just continue to practice them, we have to question whether or not you're saved. You need to question whether or not you're saved. If you can just continue in sin and not care, right? These are the things that sent Jesus to the cross. You'll continue doing it. You don't care. We have to question whether or not you were, whether or not you're really saved. And I think it's written here, not so that we can look at others and question their salvation so much as it is look at ourselves and say, wait a minute, is there evidence of mine? Well, how would I know if there's evidence of mine? Well, one is you're not practicing those things anymore. And two, we'll talk about it next time. And that's the fruit of the spirit. God bless you. Talk to you soon.